Father, we're thankful for this morning. We're thankful for being able to come to this place of worship and teaching. And so we just pray for all that are here this morning so far and pray that you would, um, Holy Spirit, that you would fall fresh on each individual that is represented. And for those that are coming, pray for Megan as she brings forth the teaching and that she's just a conduit as your spirit speaks through her. So I pray for power and understanding and enlightenment today in the teaching. And then, Lord, bless the hands that brought forth the uh, food this morning. And we ask that you would nourish us with that. And I pray that our worship, you would inhabit this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Today, I am teaching on Acts 18 through 19 and 1 Corinthians 1 through 6. When we read this week, there are a lot of complex issues that Paul had to address. And I was reading this, I thought, okay, where does that authority come as I'm going to teach to talk about these complex issues? Is, is that something that I should be teaching? How should I go about this? And I usually begin every teaching with questions of, okay, how in the world am I going to do this? And I go back to the scripture and it always, always provides and Paul gave some amazing lessons about keeping it simple and getting back to the basics in order to deal with these complex issues. We're going to go into the scripture and learn from Paul based on what he wrote, how he taught, what he was teaching, what his message was, but also how he lived out his examples for us to follow. Okay, so keeping it simple and turning to Jesus. So when I was going through this again, how am I going to teach and talk about such complex issues? Again, I went back to the scripture and I found what Paul wrote. And he started off by quoting Isaiah 29, 14. And one of the things he said was, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Paul used this quote because he was explaining to people that people would find the message that he's teaching, that his new believers were following, that they would find this message foolish, that it is not based on this intelligence of the world. And this is something that was predicted in the Old Testament and that we're seeing unfold with Jesus and the good news. He followed with, God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would Never know him through human wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.21. And I have to say, I felt some, some grace in that. <laughs> Especially coming up here to teach. It is through our trust in the Holy Spirit and knowing God. And it is his wisdom and not ours in which people will find the truth and the wisdom that they need to have. Now, Paul, if we think about him... He was spreading the word to both Jews and Gentiles. For the Jews, they would be demanding miracles. They wanted to be, they wanted proof of what he was teaching. The Gentiles, um, where he's dealing with the Greco-Roman world, were wanting human wisdom and philosophy, and they wanted to debate and, and argue and depend on what they could learn in order to be taught who this, what this good news was. So Paul was facing all right, some obstacles. So when we talk about not depending on human wisdom, we see that the Jewish people would probably be offended by what he would teach, and then the Gentiles would find it 
foolish, okay? But human wisdom cannot convince, convince us, no matter how intelligent the world thinks itself. Paul continues. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and then used them to bring nothing to what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. And I have to admit, when I was reading this this week, I read over that quickly and kind of a fog went, what was that all about? <laughs> and when I went back, I realized how powerful, and I've highlighted the, the words here, and we're going to talk about what he meant by this. Foolish. Again, the message of Christ's death will sound foolish to people. I mean, death is the end of the road, not the beginning. And death is considered the ultimate weakness. No, all right, and no amount of knowledge can replace or bypass what Christ has done with us because of this information. All right, if human knowledge could bring us to Christ, only the intellectuals and the well-educated would be convinced of Christ. But Paul reminds us that it is the simple message that Jesus brings that convinces us. And we have to remember, too, that Paul, during this time, was considered very intellectual and very well-educated. He was a Pharisee. He was very well-versed in all the texts and all the scriptures, all the supplemental readings of the time for the Jewish texts. He also grew up in Tarsus, which was in Turkey. And this was where the world was passing right before his doorstep. So it was a time of great philosophical growth and intellectual wisdom being passed and walking right through him, and he would have been aware of this too. So he was considered himself an intellectual. And he gave up his identity in his knowledge to accept Jesus. And again, people would consider this foolish, okay? Powerless. Jesus calls us to come to him as sheep, that he is our shepherd, in the world, a shepherd is not considered someone of great power. And as sheep, when we come to him, we give up what power we have. We give it to him to follow Jesus. Again, the example of powerlessness. Um, we come to him with childlike faith. We surrender our lives. So it is not for human power, but the power of the Holy Spirit that we come to Jesus that we accept the teaching and we learn the good news and believe it. Despised. Jesus first led us in the examples of reaching out to the weak, the poor, and the judged. Again, another thing that goes against what the world was expecting. He brought forgiveness and healing to sinners and outcasts. He reached out to Samaritans and asked his disciples to not only reach out to Samaritans, and Jews and Gentiles alike, but the whole world, people whom they considered despised. So accepting Christ is not for earthly gain, but for the glory of God and for our salvation. We simply need Jesus. As Paul says next, God has united you with Christ Jesus, 
For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. 1 Corinthians 1.30 Because Jesus is the good news. That God in his perfect love created, created us. That we felt a sinfulness and could only be made clean through the sufficiency of Christ. And through our faith, we can live out eternity with God the Father. This is our wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom upon which we can turn to in all things. And when Paul remembered this when he was traveling to Corinth and started his teaching there and was writing to the Corinthians when he wrote this. Next. Okay. I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my pe preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Again, that's 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And for me, I found this the most practical, not only coming up here to teach in front of you all, but when I have conversations with people, when situations arise, the complex situations that arise in our lives, we can forget everything and remember Jesus and let him be our guide through these situations. Um, I think there's freedom in finding that and understanding that that there's confidence as we're able to talk to others in all situations when we keep it simple and we can rely on remembering who Jesus is. Um, only with Jesus am I able to share anything. I firmly believe that I am nothing without Christ. I can list my many faults. I can talk about the things that God has gifted me with. But without Jesus, none of it matters. Jesus makes me whole, and Jesus makes the message whole. And we'll talk about why Jesus is so fundamental and what happened between the Old Testament and the New Testament and what the good news is. Um, and we can rely on who he is for everything. So now I'm going to use the whiteboard over here. I'm going to have you guys help me out. I want you guys to help me list some words to describe Jesus. And we're going to use him as we continue the teaching. All right, go ahead. Who is Jesus to us? Can we give character traits? Who is he? Savior. 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 Comforter. Friend. Friend. Fulfiller. Fulfiller. Redeemer. Redeemer. Defender. Defender. Who is Jesus? Son of God. Healer. Forgiving. forgiving. All right, forgiveness. Yeah, he is forgiveness. Teacher. What was that? Leader and shepherd. Way, truth, light. Son of God. Is there what? Lamb. Absolutely, lamb. Father. Emmanuel, God with us. Yes. Righteousness. Counselor. Lord. 
King. Perfect. Oh, I like that. Hope. Priest. Mediator. It's good. Mediator. I like that. Sacrifice. Love. What was that? Love. Love. Without sin. We feel pretty good. I, I know we could probably go on and on. Miracle. Miracle. Did I hear? I think I heard justice. Merciful. I think this is beautiful. I was taught this a while ago that when I wake up in the middle of the night, one of the good ways to fall back asleep or to find peace is to go through the ABCs and do the character of God, to do the character of Jesus. I find this beautiful and soothing. So I would share that little tidbit with you. But we're going to come back to who Jesus is and how we can turn to him in all things. Now we can keep it simple, like Paul did here for us. So we talked about who is Jesus, and then how does Jesus Christ, true wisdom, how does he bring clarity to our problems in the church, the world, and our personal struggles? So this is where we're going to get into where the complexities are, but when we remember who Jesus is, we can keep it simple, and we can move forward with it. So one of the first things we'll kind of walk through for example, was a situation that Paul found himself in when he learned about a gentleman who was living in sin because he was living with his stepmother in sin. And, it, and Paul was saying, you need to deal with this. But he didn't just say deal with it. He also gave them instruction, right? So we're just going to kind of walk through it because I think it can be intimidating, especially when we really care about someone, if we find that there's an issue that they're affecting, that's affecting their life because they're walking in sin and we want to help them because they're part of our church, they're part of our family. So how do we talk to people? So I'm just going to walk through the steps that Paul gave us and kind of use his practical tools that he gave us, that Jesus gave us, and how we can kind of do that, okay? So the first thing we're supposed to do is go to the believer and show the uh, fault in private, and I think, again, this one-on-one -on -one can be very difficult to start off with, right? To talk to someone, and it's always hard to point out something that you feel like is going wrong or that someone's doing wrong. But when we are searching for the words, like, I will talk to them after I read this article, I research this and read this book and find all the supplemental information on this particular issue, right? We could just be lost in that cycle forever. I love the way that Paul taught us to keep it simple and to forget everything else except Jesus. So when we come to someone, we come to someone in love. We remind them of Jesus and his forgiveness, all right? Because the ultimate goal, though, is not to make them just feel bad and to, to stop the behavior, but to return to Jesus and walk in the right way, right? So when we talk to someone, we can talk about the forgiveness, that Jesus is the Son of God. He, he came to earth for us, for that person, and that Jesus is there for them, and we're there for them. That Jesus is our shepherd, and we can follow him and come to him with all things. He is our healer. So whatever anyone's going through, we can talk about Jesus can heal us in that situation. That he is perfect, and he is the only one who is perfect. So we can approach people and tell people we're not perfect either. But we can talk about who Jesus is and how he's perfect. He's the only one one who was, and he gave the perfect sacrifice. 
So if we can keep it simple and we can find our words and our walk and our trust in Jesus to talk to people. And then Paul goes on to talk about when that doesn't work, you get aid. You get someone else who can join you in that discussion. And again, there's freedom and peace and strength in knowing that if you are on the same foundation, when you trust in Jesus and know who he is, you can have those discussions and you can keep it simple and you can grow on it. And again, then Paul talks about if that doesn't work. And again, this is talked about in Matthew and in First and Second Corinthians. Then we turn to the church. And the church, again, based on these foundations and the hope and forgiveness we want for people, they can directly deal with the situation too. And every situation will be different. And each one will probably be very intimidating to come and approach. But if we keep things simple, I think we can find strength in that, in Jesus. So that's with the church some of the complex issues that Paul used and had to go through. So what I'm gonna share is when you're talking about the world. How do we walk in the world with the issues that arise? And so I'm gonna share something a little personal about my walk with the world. So when complex issues arise, what do we do and how do we walk and keep Jesus part of it? So a couple years ago after the presidential election, Excuse me, I'm catching my breath. It's pregnancy. I walked five feet. <laughs> it's a marathon. <laughs> so just forgive my, my panting. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of political dialogue going on. And people were identifying themselves with either a person or a political party or what they thought. And they could be very open with it. And they could declare such things. And they could do it whether it's on social media or in conversation. Um, and I felt overwhelmed by it because I wanted to have a voice in it as well. I know that as a Christ follower, we are separate from the world in many ways, but yet we still walk in the world. And I want to have a voice in it. I'll also share that I am a politician's daughter. So I have some baggage. <laughs> Um, just to share a little bit about what that's like and how that affects me in seeing the world. Um, so I grew up a politician's daughter, went to school at the university where we grew up. And one example, um, I was in a history course and we have the lecture and then we go to the discussion. And that's where we have the, the professors-to-be, the teaching assistants come and lead us the discussion. Well, the TA found out who I was, who I was the daughter of and refused to teach that class. I was over, you know, I try not to take it too personally. Um, the professor literally had to come and teach my discussion course because of my father. He didn't even hear me speak. He had no idea who I was. But I was prejudged. He identified me with a person, with a political thought. And I see how powerful that is. And so for me, I still want to have a voice in this world. And so when all this was going on, a lot of that stuff came up again. And so for me, I had to go back to the basics of who Jesus was and where I could walk from. So I'm sharing with you how I dealt with the world and came back. So my personal statement was, and I wanted my daughter to also learn from this too. This was in my thoughts. Today, I hope to teach my daughter that she is clothed in strength and dignity she will laugh without fear at the days to come, Proverbs 31, 25.
because she will not derive her strength or dignity from any leader or opinion, be it friend or foe, but from a greater being and an inner voice that says hate will not conquer and others will not define us. And for me, I had to go back to the basics. I had to keep it simple. And I found that Paul really touched on that as well. When we can forget all those other things and I find our identity in Christ. Because oftentimes we can find our identity also in a voice that we do like, a friend. And I think it's important to have the freedom to walk in the simplicity of who Christ is and find our identity in him and to move forward that in conversation. So we've talked about dealing with complex issues in the church, with the world. And then I'm just going to talk about sharing Jesus, whether it's with a new believer, someone who's in our small group, um, when we're dealing with it on a personal level. Um, how does Paul help teach us to keep it simple to turn to Jesus? So personally, again, I'm going to give some examples here. Uh, when it worked well, keeping it simple, remembering who Jesus is, and trusting in the Holy Spirit. So my example is, I'll come back to this. When I was in college, I had a shift with someone who became a good friend, and he was um, an engineer and a scientist. I was a history teacher and a Christian. So we had a lot of discussions. I know now the many, many questions he asked me and his need to debate and argue came from an inner desire that God placed in him. But for months and months during the shift, we would talk and he wanted to be convinced that there was a God. So on my, my shift, that's what I did. Luckily, I just had to swipe cards and not have to do too much else. Um, but at this point in college, I don't know if you all can relate to this, I referred to my great teachings, we got into philosophical debates, and I, I referred to this author, and I did this, and he did the same thing right back to me, and we just would go on and on and on and on and on and on. And part of it, it was good, it was good intellectual discussion, but it didn't go anywhere. And finally, I kind of had to just give all that up. And the thing that got him was the word laughter. Talk about keeping it simple. I asked him, explain to me laughter. And that ended the conversation right there. I didn't know what that, that meant. And that Sunday, just a few days later, he called me to let me know he went to church for the first time, and that he enjoyed our conversations. But again, that, that wasn't me. That was God stirring the questions in him. He wanted to be convinced. And so, time, so many times I think when we have those discussions and people argue, 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 we have to remember they're arguing for a reason. And that if we hang in there, and if we can remember to keep it simple, even if it turns to laughter, that we can reach people and, and they can be reached and find a reason to continue their walk and find their faith. I'm also gonna share an example where keeping it simple does not work. <laughs> um, I had another friend in college and he was friends with my roommate and I and we were both Christians and went to church on Sunday and he could tell that we loved God. Um, and he was a very angry towards us whenever this came up or he would bring it up even. He just wanted to know, how come you guys get to feel so good and loved? How come you get to love God? And a lot of these questions became very emotional and he became very angry. And I simply responded emotionally and got angry back. 
and I've always, always regretted that. When I kept it too simple and I didn't come back to the foundations and talk about why and the how, I just talked about how it felt. And I think that that can be dangerous too when we keep it too simple and we convince people how great it feels and how wonderful it is and they think that's great and they feel great and wonderful. But as soon as something doesn't feel great and wonderful, things change, right? So we want to keep it simple, but sometimes we can, we can let it be too simple. It's not emotions that bring us to God. It's the emotions he brings to us once we're walking with him that we can be thankful for. So this is an example, and it doesn't always work so well. So we're talking about keeping it simple, returning to Christ, forgetting everything else, and walking in that when we deal with complex situations and talk to people. So now we're going to look at, and there's a long list, of all the things Paul did in his life to lead us in examples of the how and the whys of walking with Christ. One of the things, and I'm going to go back kind of back and forth between some of the different readings we've already done in the readings for this week. Having an answer ready when asked how to be saved. Again, this is kind of keeping it simple and being prepared. Paul did this in Acts 16, 29. And if you'll remember this story, this is when Paul and Silas were arrested because there was a girl shouting things at them because she was possessed by an evil spirit and she was able to tell fortunes and she was taunting him, taunting him. And finally, Paul said, you know, spirit be gone. And the spirit left. And the owner of the girl, the uh, was upset because that's how he was making his money. So Paul and Silas go to jail. So while they're in jail, they spend their time praying and singing hymns. And around midnight, there's an earthquake. And when that happens, the jailer who is in charge was afraid that they had escaped. He had failed his job and he's ready to commit suicide. And what did they say do? Stop, stop, stop. We're still here. We're still here. Don't commit suicide. And the jailer sees this and basically is like in awe of the fact that they would choose to do this and asks them, how can I be saved? And Paul had an answer for him. He was ready, which I think is amazing given the situation. I sometimes think on a bright sunny day when it's beautiful outside, I've had a good night's sleep. I read my Bible in the morning and then someone's going to ask me the question and I'll be ready. Paul had been arrested, he had survived an earthquake, and just saw someone try to commit suicide and stopped him. And then the question was asked. But he was prepared, and he kept it simple. You have to turn to Jesus. This is who Jesus is, and he can be your savior. So the jailer, he accepted him and brought his whole entire household, and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we can learn from Paul that having an answer ready can prepare us in all situations. Next, he always tried to, at least, he met people where they were at. And I think of the Athenian council in Acts 17, 22. So he's in Athens. And again, this was a time when philosophical thought and human wisdom were held very high. And they loved to have people come and talk and debate. This, this, yeah, they, just, they loved the idea of people with different ideas and they wanted to know what they, they thought. Well, Paul approached this knowing who they were. He even mentioned that as I was walking here, I noticed that you are also religious. I want you to know about the one God, not all these gods that you believe in, but the one true God. 
and I know you're religious, I know you can understand that there is a God, and kind of walked him through knowing where they were at. And I think it's important for us to learn from that, to know that it's good to be able to meet people where they are at. He courageously shared the news, the good news, while facing opposition. Um, I think this shows true or <laughs> pure motives. And he does this in 1 Thessalonians 2 2. Um, he reminded the Thessalonians that despite great opposition, through God given courage, he was still able to go and teach them. And this is something I thought about. Opposition can be a very powerful tool. In opposition, you think of all these things that we consider maybe that the world considers important World, worldly wealth, worldly power, okay, worldly gain. When you face opposition and you want to hold on to those things, you'll stop. But through opposition, you can see how those things can be wiped away, and you're left only with what your true motives are. And Paul's true motives were pure. They were simple. They wanted the people to be saved, and it was worth going through that opposition in order to do that. So facing opposition actually can be a good thing because you're doing it for pure and, and heartfelt reasons. Um, his purpose was to please God and not people. He talked about this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. So again, Paul and the apostles had no alternative motives in sharing the good news. And it showed that their words, their actions, their way of life, that they were doing it for God's glory and not just to please people. I think about what we've been learning on Sundays with Nehemiah and building the wall. That at any point in time, Nehemiah could have listened to the people. He could have listened to the nobles. He could have listened to the people who were afraid of what that wall would do, that it would give them too much power, and he could have succumbed to what the people wanted. But he held firm and did what God wanted him to do. His purpose was to please God and not people. And I think that that's also one of those things that's important and can be powerful for us to remember when we have the discussions, whether it's personal, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the world, whether it's with our kids, and we know what they want to hear. It can be very easy to say what they want to hear and make them feel better. But sometimes we have to remember what God wants and how we need to please him. And it's for their benefit, right? It's for them truly. So Paul teaches us that. He also shared the good news and his life with people. Again, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Um, it's a powerful tool to be willing to walk with people and show them your life and to do life with people. So that in and of itself can be very powerful when it comes to teaching. But I also think when we come back to this, it also shows love, what Jesus represented and what he so wanted us to do with one another, to love one another. So when we share the good news and live our life with people, we're doing and walking the way Jesus wants us to. He also used prayer. He used this all throughout. In 1 Thessalonians 3.10, he says, Night and day we pray earnestly for you. The power of prayer cannot be stressed enough. So we pray for each other. We pray for those that are in strong faith, that are walking towards it. As we pray for those who have been in it for a long time, prayer can be so powerful. And we can pray remembering who Jesus is. He also lived life as an example. Um, he urged people to live in a way that pleases God and in ways that we have taught you. 
that our example and the way we live is also a message to people that we can share with each other. He also went to the synagogue to reason with Jews. He knew where to go. And I thought this was important for me to pause and think about because I'm not going to go to the synagogue, but where do we go? Where do we meet people at? Where are we sharing life with people? And thinking about where that is, how are we walking with Jesus and sharing the word? I find myself at the park sharing life with women, other moms, and sometimes that leads to those questions and the discussions that are so powerful. Sometimes not. But we think about where we're going. We think about Paul and his examples of where and how he thought about that. He also revisited to strengthen, Acts 18.23. I find this one personally a little hard, revisiting people. Um, sometimes you get the answer and you see people walking and you can encourage and provide support and it's beautiful. I know sometimes though when I've kind of followed up with people who have become new believers or they started to come to church and then all of a sudden I go to revisit and it's an awkward conversation and it's not what they wanted to hear or I wanted to hear. Revisiting can be tricky, but it is so important because if we're like a wall for people to come back to, then when and they're ready, they know that we care enough that we've revisited them, we are praying for them, and that we're there if they need them, if they come back. And he also baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, first John the Baptist. Um, we write about Apollos during this time, where he was so excited about this coming Messiah that he knew about John the Baptist, was spreading the word about this Messiah to come, and was baptizing people. What did he forget? What did he not know? He didn't know that he came. He didn't know that it was Jesus, right? But he was so enthusiastic and was so eloquent and so well-versed that he convinced people and they were being baptized. But they were missing a very, very huge key element, the good news, right? Uh, and I think that's an example for us all. You know, when Paul arrived and heard that they were missing this part, he could have been like, so you were baptized with John the Baptist? That's close enough. <laughs> But he didn't stop there. He asked them, do you know who the Holy Spirit is? And they're like, who? So, I mean, taking it further, there is a difference, right? With the New Testament, with Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And remembering that Jesus is the key to it all. And he makes a difference. So, again, we can remember that when we talk about religion or spirituality or just God. But for us, the difference is Jesus. And Paul teaches us that. Uh, Paul also performed unusual miracles. He used God's gift to him. If you guys remember his unusual gift, at times um, people could bring cloth, and if it had touched Paul, they could take it, put it on someone who is sick, and be healed. That's a, a unique, powerful, powerful gift. But we have to remember, too, that God has gifted us in different ways, and we can remember to walk with that as well. And then lastly, he kept it simple. He wrote and talked about complex issues, but he always wanted to remind us to keep it simple, to come back to Jesus, and that you can forget everything else. He forgot about and let go of all the knowledge that he detained in all of his previous experience and was willing to be considered foolish because he kept it simple because it can be simply brought back to Jesus.
and I'm going to end there. <laughs> Are there any questions or anything? Okay. All right. Well, I think we've got lots of time for discussion at the tables. Um, I hope you guys will enjoy sharing maybe even your personal experiences and how keeping it simple and turn to Jesus can and will work for you too.